Hey, big fella, thanks for listening. This is Barry Edgman with Father Seekers, and this is the podcast, Teach Me to Father. Hey, we're picking up today where we left off last with some three of the three of the most feisty young women I've ever met in my life. <laughs> they are more than a handful. I know all their husbands. We pray together regularly for them. <laughs> it's just that just you can already tell. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. Father Seekers is designed to help fatherless dads become great dads, calling them, equipping them, launching them into godly fatherhood, how to be a good man, a Jesus alpha male, and a great dad to raise great kids to affect the next generation. So this is, I don't know if this is part two or just a continuation, we're about to find out, but today we're talking about We're talking about what do little girls need most in a dad? What do little girls need most in a dad? I want to introduce you to these people first, but ladies, here's here's how I want you to introduce yourself. First, I want you to tell me about you, who you are. Tell me about your family. And then last, without much emphasis, tell me about where you work and what you do. Okay, tell me what you do and where you work first. You got to tell me about you. Mm-hmm. And your dude, and your little your little people that follow you around. <laughs> so let's go. I'll start left, and we'll go right, and we'll come around. So Jess, would you lead us off? Yeah, excellent. I just forgot everything about myself, but uh, <laughs> my name is Jessica. I have been married for twelve years. Twelve years. Mm-hmm. Yep, I have two. I I mean, I call them little, but they are the same height or taller than me now. <laughs> two kiddos. Um, yeah, they're great. Love them. And I am a youth and kids pastor here at church, um, raising lots of little. Go ahead. Talk about your hubs. Yeah. What's um, he do? He is an environmental scientist. There he you works go. at scientist. Schneider. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Um, mm. He is an adrenaline junkie. Yep. Anything he can jump off, throw himself I off, however fast he can snowboarding. go. Yes. Yep. Matt snowboarding. Snowboarding, <laughs> motorcycle racing, mm. longboarding, mountain biking. Yeah. It's if the faster he can go, the better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That you know you could say yeah. Yep. Same with his choice of wifeies. <laughs> faster you can go, the better. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. This, uh, Miss Steph. Oh, hello. I am uh, Stephanie. I have been married also for 12 years. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband and I have three little boys, 11, almost 11, Mm -hmm. um, seven and two. And um, I work here at the church as the young adults pastor. Good for you. You got your boy mom too. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pray for me. Yeah. Pray for they're, her. That's what I was gonna say. Little boys are yeah, they're they're yeah. Jessica could speak to this too. They're, but they're they're amazing. As they get older, they get better mm. and more appreciative and more grateful. Mm-hmm. Or at least mine did. Yeah. I don't know. Hope hope for you the same. Yeah. I've all my, my three boys are all mama's boys, so Yep. Tell us tell us a little bit about your hubs as much as you can. How wonderful a man he is. Oh, he's so great and 
handsome and <laughs> strong. And honey, if you're listening, I love you so much. <laughs> Uh, he's in the military, and uh, yeah, he's just good stuff. He's a he's a good guy. He's a combat vet, super good guy, and I've never seen anybody cooler, more cool. Cool hand Luke is what I think of when I say. You ever see that movie? <laughs> no. With no, I forgot. The Western. I'm talking, I don't to, know. I'm talking to I'm talking to people who were who were not even in embryo uh, <laughs> when I was watching movies like this. Anywho, yeah, it's a good movie. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, but just really cool, laid back dude. Just nothing ruffles, nothing. Last but not least. Howdy. I feel like I got to say that on this show. Uh, My name is Megan Malik, and uh, I've been married to my husband, Kyle, for six years. I was like, oh, half the time. That's cute. Um, And we're expecting our second. This one's a girl, and we have a boy at home, two and a half year old boy. Um, and he's, he's wild all boy, but we love him. So we're excited to mix it up and see what happens when you throw a girl in the pile. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. <laughs> Got to get like a dress up box or something. Uh, so we're preparing for that. And I think, uh, yeah, my husband's preparing for what exactly that's going to look like. Um, but my husband, Kyle is, he's a great dude. And, uh, I married him because he's the, he's the rock in my storm. So he's the the anchor, essentially, for me. Um, here at church, I do marketing and communications. And uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's about it. That's good. So the way the way if you're listening to the last one, uh, what what little girls need most than a dad? This is I paired I paired these women in a certain way, and I. You'll see why, guys. You'll see why in a minute when 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 the stuff starts rolling here. It it it's really interesting to see how this paired. Okay, so let's talk about this first little tidbit of information. So, who you're talking to? So the the wisdom that you will share, espouse, exude over the airwaves. You're talking to fatherless guys who grew up without a dad, who have no reference point for what it's like to even be a dad. Mm. So when you compress the responsibility and the the daughter IQ, and you never, you didn't have a dad to model for you so that you could see how he modeled with your mom or, or yeah, um, how your dad modeled with, his particular mom so that you now have no reference point or understanding. You just sort of guess what culture says or what the world says or watch how maybe a dysfunctional dad treated your mom. And now you're just gathering pieces to try to form your own, your own dude. So that's the guy you're talking. You probably are talking to a lady that grew up without a dad who has no idea what it's like to be treated right. Or a woman who grew up with a great dad and now she married this this guy that she loves, but he's got no clue in how to be a father, nor does he have a clue in how to treat her properly, like a proper woman. And then you got that lady, that gal right in the middle who maybe had a dad, but he was available, but disengaged, present, but uninvolved. So shoot from the heart. Tell us the story. 
give us give us a brief bit of his. We don't have to go in the order. Whoever wants to speak, speak. But tell me a little bit first blink what your thoughts are about what a little girl needs most in a dad. Now, now Megan and to 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 date Megan and Steph cuz she's a boy mom will have to speak from your historical data but what you've observed because Steph you work with a lot of young women who I'm sure you've you've begun to pick up bits and pieces about their life. So speak from that. So whoever wants to jump in, what does a little girl need most in a dad? And youth pastor Jessica, who's got, a, <laughs> who's got probably tons of stories you could tell us. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I think that, okay, are we talking about what girls need in a dad? What a little girl needs in a dad? Mm-hmm. So we're talking. we're talking early on, because how how a little girl is received by her father, mm-hmm. how she she learns how to how to respond to a man, how she learns how to speak to a man, mm-hmm. learn his voice, mm-hmm. learn how to respond to a kind, gentle, wonderful guy who moves slow, methodically, kindly, or or the opposite. Yeah. So we're talking the ideal format, and I would I would guess or hope you weave some of your stories in there as well. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things about watching my husband be a dad to a little girl, um, I only have a brother, so like my only reference point was how my dad treated me. So watching my husband with my daughter was my favorite thing. Like he is so like soft and like was never afraid of her emotions, like just let her cry on him. Um, That's one of my favorite things about watching him be a dad to a little girl is that he was never afraid of her emotions, minimized her emotions, let her be like, he was just so soft with her. Mm -hmm. He never tried to like toughen her up or make her feel like what she was feeling was the wrong thing. Roll back on that. Cause tough guys, usually tough guys, usually, uh, want a boy, but they didn't get a boy, but they got a girl. Mm-hmm. So they want to make a. They want to make mm-hmm. a. And there's nothing wrong with cowgirls. Don't get me wrong, because. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about. I've talked to a lot of girls in youth ministry for a little bit of time. How they were, I've had more than my share, and it breaks my heart every time my dad wanted a boy. Yeah, I mean, I I can't know for a fact that my dad wanted a boy first. I'm the oldest, but there were definitely times when I felt like um, he would have wanted that. Mm. You know, I remember um, my fifth birthday when I desperately wanted an American Girl doll. It's all I wanted, and I got my very first gun. (laughs) (laughs) Close. Uh, Yeah, so close. Um. So, yeah, he definitely, like, I think it was, he was afraid of having a girl because, you know, you you don't know what it's like. Um, also, his experience was he has, he's uh, the middle child with an older sister and a younger sister. So, like, that was his frame of reference for, like, girls in the household. Um, but, yeah, he just, I think it's different when it's your own daughter. He was just, like so soft and wanted to keep her a little girl. Mm. So, so 
you don't know what you don't know until you know and you begin to practice. Mm-hmm. You you're you're invited to follow to learn about how to be a dad. Then you imitate those who you're learning from, and then you have to innovate on your own. Mm-hmm. Sounds like there was a lot of innovation going on there. Yeah, uh, we were very young. <laughs> um, I was 19. My husband was 21. We didn't know Jesus at this time, and we were figuring things out all on our own. Um, I know that our like parents mess up. I'm we messed up. I know my parents did the very best that they did, but there's always something that you're gonna need to fix. But yeah, he just like has never been afraid to treat her like a girl and um like she deserves to be treated like a girl. I think you brought up something interesting, which is you being the oldest mm-hmm. and having that like the feeling of disappointment not even necessarily that I should have been a boy but but just like your parents when you're the first you know it's like trial and error kind Mm -hmm. of like they're trying to figure out how to be a parent they don't really know how to parent you and your dad's like well now it's a girl I probably could have done a little I could have could have batted a hundred maybe with a boy but Mm -hmm. like now what you know because you're a girl because I'm the oldest girl too And so I felt that like that, um, you know, there was expectation there of like, Hey, come out and help with like the yard work and stuff. And you're like, what do you think I am a boy? Mm -hmm. But you know, there's some of that stuff where they just, your parents don't necessarily know because it's the first, first one, first time. Yeah. And there's a lot that I didn't appreciate until later in life. Like I realized why my dad did things like he wanted me to be able to protect myself, which is why like I was put into a lot of boyish things like learning how to shoot guns and all this stuff. Like I know now he wanted me to be able to protect myself. Yeah. Wasn't your dad in the military as well? Yes, he was. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> so you're a military brat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot there's a lot of play in there. So right now, speak to the moms of yeah of of military dudes, or you're a military brat, and you you speak to two guys. Okay, the military the military dude that's your husband now, who's trying to make everybody mm-hmm. a warrior in the home. Which I'm not opposed to that, but mm-hmm. it's time sensitive kind of stuff or or the lady who's a military brat who had a he-man hero dad who married a guy that can't hang a picture on a wall (laughs) yeah um it definitely like my husband and I have this conversation a lot actually where I'm like I need you to treat me more like a woman and he's like then stop calling me bro (laughs) (laughs) I'll be a fly on the wall in the Hogan household First time I've seen Brayla. No, you guys, that was a conversation we had two days ago. Like every now and then we check in with each other. Like, what do you need from me? Like, what can I, and they're like, okay, what do you need from me? And that was literally it. Like, like, I need you to treat me more like I'm a lady. And he's like, okay, then you got to start acting like a lady. Um, uh, Where's my parasol? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, the question was talking to you're talking to a a lady okay who who grew up as mm. a, a military brat yeah who married a military dude and there's this power struggle <laughs> a little bit and then you are also talking to a lady who who is a military brat and married a guy who can't change a tire or hang a picture on a wall but he's really smart and he's a he's a computer geek and he makes hundreds of thousands of dollars a year 
Okay. Yeah, there's a rub there. Yeah. There's a rub because a man needs to be a man, a woman needs to be a woman. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to the, the throat punch minute here in a second. Okay. So so talk to those two women. And Stephanie, you need to jump in on this too, because you're 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 not foo-foo, but you're you're like a like a really sharp looking lady and you married a you married a combat vet. So mm-hmm. there's some stories there that we need to hear about. Mm. Yeah. Well, I feel like we all probably have the same rubs with our husband in that uh we're very independent, very so hardworking. I, so I, I, my 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 earphone buzzed me. You said what? That that we're all very independent. Yeah, okay. Very... Mate, Matt, Matt, you heard that? <laughs> <laughs> um, in like uh, allowing somebody to take care of us, yeah, is difficult. And I think you like probably have the same thing in your home too, Stephanie. But like. Uh, we we could take care of ourselves, so allowing ourselves to be taken care of and um, allowing somebody else to lead the home when we're a leader in so many other places in our lives. Um, yeah, it's difficult. And I've had to learn that just because um, I could lead doesn't mean that I should in realizing what having a scientist husband uh brings to the table in terms of leading our home and uh, respecting him as a leader. Yeah. It's interesting that you talk about um, having like the, the struggle of being independent Mm -hmm. within your home, because that I definitely struggle with because my husband is in the military. So he is here, then he's gone, then he's here, then he's gone. So I'm required to be independent. Um, So when he comes back home, and reintegrating him into our home, there is like a, well, it's a, it's a learning curve every time, but honestly, Bear, I feel a little unqualified to be in this podcast and have this conversation because as you're sitting there talking about your experience with your dad and, mm-hmm. um, and even with your husband, I feel like I'm like, well, I might, my dad, um, he's passed now, but, um, he was very emotionally unavailable to me. Um, and I had an older brother. And so him and my brother had a very good relationship. They did like the hunting and the fishing and, you know, all that stuff. And I'd be like, take me, I want to come. And my dad's like, no, that's not for girls. <laughs> so so I, um, I really yearned for... Um, that deep relationship and connection with my father that I didn't have the opportunity to have. Um, And it's interesting that I married a military man who was also, when we met, emotionally unavailable. Um, I mean, we've been together for 15 years, so we've done a lot of work in that area since then. But, um, But yeah, I just... I'm like sitting here thinking like, man, I don't know that I have a lot of context to add to this story because... I, my dad was kind, he was there, but he was definitely absent. I think you just added a lot of context. Mm-hmm. And I think there's probably more, more women who grew up, and let me define what fatherless means. Fatherless means, in a, in a bullet point sense, operating as an earthly father, as, as God would as heavenly father to his kids. Mm-hmm. That's a bullet point. So you can see that every father has this this propensity 
to 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 lean over to the to the wild side or what he didn't know to try to power through or you've got one that's disengaged and unavailable like I read today a piece about a guy wrote he said uh he said uh, God make me the second man mm. not the first man that's good the the first man is the sinful nature the cursed the cursed sinful man but when Jesus came into the picture he became the second man, and when Holy Spirit comes in our heart and saves us and regenerates us and fills us, we then become and take on the nature of the second man. So when we say, when I say to guys, you need to be the second man, mm. not number two, you need to be the second man that Jesus that Jesus led into. And I think that there's a lot of women who thirst for that and seek after that. So I think you hit a nerve here and a, 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 a niche, a niche, niche, maybe niche. <laughs> niche. You're the word niche. Yeah. I'll say niche down, down there. Niche. Down there we say. It's, it's, it's your it's, podcast. I mean, you can say whatever you want. Yeah, but, I was going to say somebody call myself. It's like, we don't have a filter on this one. So You say and, it, I'll do the. And, and Calso, <laughs> I don't think Calso would, would smile, but talk, talk to, talk a minute. To the women who who are just, I'm sure that there were struggles with, with, with coming together, with Bo, with working things out. But you stuck to it. You worked it out. But talk just a minute about some of the struggles that you feel comfortable sharing that may apply to lots of women. I'm sure that are listening to this. I know friends of mine right now who are walking through this exact thing because they love their wives, but they grew up without a dad. And they, they're struggling to try to communicate with their wives. And they just, they don't know how. Mm. How do they do it? Well, um, my husband, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me sharing that um, his father has been absent in his upbringing as well. So we both came into our relationship like a little bit lost in the sauce, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, a little bit unsure of maybe what we even needed from each other. Mm. So in our, in our early years, um, you know, our, our communication wasn't great. It was, he came into the relationship thinking that his role and position, because his, the most fathering that he received was in the military, I would say. Um, so he came in thinking that all I need is somebody to provide security and protection and that's it. And if he does that, then he's done his job. Um, and me, I was like, well, I need like your emotions and your heart and I need all of the soft spaces and Um, and he was shut down to that because he, and he thought he was doing what I needed. And, you know, on my side of things, I thought I was doing what I needed by crying and begging and Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever else. Um, but through, um, as we progressed in our relationship together and as we progressed in our relationship with Jesus, I mean, that's when things really changed is when we both, um, fully accepted Jesus into our lives and, um, you know, we're open to understanding each other's perspective and point of view. So when you talk about this transition that happened, this, Mm -hmm. this shifting of shifting of ways, Mm -hmm. what you just described is the other side of the understanding of 
of understanding the DNA of our Heavenly Father that's mm. that's in us. That's why, that's why I believe women seek and search after mm-hmm. a godly man, yeah. a good man who mm-hmm. provides not only what they didn't have and not only what they need, but but he he's prophet, priest, and king. He works in all three offices. Mm-hmm. He knows what she needs. He can he can see what's coming. He stands before God for her, and he is a protector, provider. And and I think if you find fault in any man, any woman, anywhere, any man, anywhere, you can use those three boxes to check off, and you will find if 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 even one of them are off kilter or out of play, it creates quite a conflict and quite a quite a mess. If two of those boxes go unchecked depending on which box is checked generally in my experience with guys has been they are kings and they rule and reign with a, a an iron fist and a sword that doesn't protect and garner help and and kill prey to feed but it controls and corrupts the next generation so here's the question as you and Bo move through that mm-hmm. And you begin to you you begin to stop letting fatherlessness manipulate your relationship, mm-hmm. and you recognize it for what it was. What what's one or two keynote pieces that you go? It may work for everybody else, but here's here's what worked for us. Once we realized that we we were we were without a dad's influence, and we are missing some pieces. What's the one or two things that you go, that's it. We got to work on that. What are those things? Gosh, Barry, I, (laughs) um, I, I don't know what else to say other than communication and respect. I, because, um, growing up in my household, respect wasn't there. So, um, I had a difficult time emulating that and respecting his position in things and um, he had a difficult time communicating how he was feeling. Um, so once we broke those barriers, once he realized that he was in a safe space, that I would respect his feelings, even if I didn't agree with them, mm. um, I think that lent us to have more open and honest mm. conversations. So as, as, as the honesty flowed, as the sensitivity flowed, as the... Hey, we're learning some new territory here. Mm-hmm. We're orienteering now as a couple mm-hmm. with a guidebook that we're really not familiar with. Mm-hmm. We're just sort of learning on the fly. As you begin to be as obedient as you could to Scripture and lean into the whispers of Holy Spirit, what was the first couple of things that broke the that broke the eggshell, that broke the ice that says, hey, we're going somewhere. Something's happening. Because some people think that going to church is a good place to go. You walk in like a car wash, you get washed off, and it's like, oh, it's all good. Right. Hey, but you get home and it, you open the door, and you and and all all as I was I was a kid working in at a gas station with my grandfather. When I was eight years old, and we one of the things we did. This guy was really good at fixing cars. One of my jobs was to go in and. We would clean the cars out, like just, mm-hmm. you know, if there's trash in the floor, pick, do that. 
So he opened up this one woman's car. I kid you not. She she was a hoarder. She was a little bit like <laughs> there was trash in there anywhere. And and I smelled something like de- like dead, like mm. something dead. She had she had jammed up so a box of Kentucky Fried Chicken that she had eaten off of and just shoved the bones in and shoved it up under the seat and it corrupted the whole car. Mm. So once you begun you you begun the process of unpacking and dehoarding emotions and frustrations and hurt and pain and trauma, you unpacked all that and you begin to get down to the real, the real nitty gritty. The like the this is I don't want to go past here. I'm not asking you what past here. This point of can't get past this with you or Bo, but I'm asking you how did you get past the no pass zone? Mm. Wow. Well. That's what we do here. Uh, <laughs> didn't see this coming. Um, I honestly, it's, it was more individual than I had expected. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, I came into it with the expectation of, well, if you do this, then I'll feel this way. And if you do this, then that'll make me do this. And um, it wasn't until we really understood that it was more about our individual journeys with Christ, mm-hmm. um, and individually understanding what it is that we were lacking from fathers, um, that we could come together and, and work together. So it, I think initially it was that rub of like, like I said, like if, if you make me feel this way, so if you do this, it's, it's more of like, you know, when you go to prayer, when you're first married and you're like, <laughs> Lord, please make my husband yeah. Want to clean the yeah. house, you yeah. know, it's, it, it's not that it's Lord change me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say it's that. And then I'm coming off the heels of a journey to homeless couples retreat, little sure. plug for that. Sure. Um, so we just really went deep into our story and, and, mm. um, we're able to understand what our core woundings were. There you go. Um, and both of us, uh, had the same wounding, which was powerlessness. Mm-hmm. So, we so that means had you're both this, a prophet. Yes. Bingo. Yeah. So we both <laughs> had this struggle of trying to gain now, power. Talk about being a, talk about being a fly on the wall in that place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we both were trying to get power. Mm. Um, that's super interesting. Mm-hmm. Both trying to get power mm-hmm. to protect what? Each other. To protect our our covenant, to protect um, the idea of what we had. Hmm. Hmm. One last question that I'm going to pitch to Megan. Okay, good. So once once the emotions with hell broke in you both, and you begin to realize that Holy Spirit was doing some significant healing that you could never have dreamt, imagined, hoped for, or even had the capacity to understand He could do. What's one of the first things you recognized about having your emotions as a couple enter into being healed by the Old Testament says the balm, the healing balm of Gilead, the ointment of Holy Spirit. What was what was it like to, to step into that? Because I'm going to tell you right now, you got some women sitting on the edge of their seat. And they're wanting to know what, what what's next. What can I expect? You told them how to get there. Hmm. Tell them what to expect, what it feels like. Um. Now I feel like I am going to cry. I was <laughs> holding it together. Um, 
for me, it was realizing that all of those things that Bo brought to our relationship at the beginning, um, his his urgency for providing security and protection, um, that those things weren't as bad as I thought that they were. Um, and it's actually what I needed. I just needed them for my heart. Mm-hmm. So one more question. <laughs> <laughs> so so now, now we're, we've we've drilled down to the soul of a woman mm-hmm. who grew up without a dad. Mm-hmm. We're there, okay? Okay. This question. What does your heart look like now as opposed to what it looked like when you started? Because if, if my history serves me, didn't you you enter into a relationship with Jesus short shortly before you and Bo got together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does your heart look like now as opposed and against what it was like before you started? Well, do you want me to be honest, or do you want? I want me to... you to. I want you to <laughs> to be honest and 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 talk to women sitting on the edge of their seat right now. Um, I would say that it's it's different than it it looked initially. I think um, it was probably like a sliver full, um, and I'm still I still have like a quarter that is uh, needs to be filled. And um, it's just now, um, 14 years after the passing of my father, that I feel like um, God is really allowing me to enter into that story. And um, he's really challenging me to heal those places that will allow me to have a full heart. Um, There's a lot in my story that I have like suppressed and um, tried to forget because it didn't serve me, so I thought. Um, and it didn't, but I, instead of healing those things, I just buried them. And our God is so gracious and kind um, that he, now where I'm in a better space, um, now where I understand that I'm in a safe and protected environment, he's allowing those things to come to the surface so we can really deal with them together. One last question, Bear. and this is this, this is, the, I promise. So, so when that broke, I think, I think when it broke, I got to, we got to observe you as a, as a staff. We got to observe you, mm-hmm. uh, enter, enter into, uh, a prayer for one of your, one of your cohorts, peers, and leaders in your life. And it seemed like to me that had that 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 last withheld space, it seems like to me, had that not been broken open, it seems like that your effectual prayer of a righteous woman would would not have flowed so freely because there was a moment in that room that that I think we all experienced what we would call as like really fresh. So talk about, the beautiful thing that happens once the shell breaks and you're, as we say in Journey, you're scraping the bowl one last time. How beautiful it looks. How the aroma of the smell of freedom and healing and wholeness. I think um, it's it, for me, it was that moment when I, I had heard um, our pastor say this before on a podcast actually and I 
thought I was doing it. It was the not letting the Holy Spirit stop within you, but letting him flow through you. Um, so I, I thought I was doing that. And I think maybe in some ways I was. But um, it wasn't until that fully broken me that I realized that I don't need to hold it, um, that I don't need I don't need to keep all of what the Holy Spirit is offering because there are deficiencies within me, but I can allow him to flow through me. Hmm. That makes sense. So in the flow, one more question. So in the <laughs> oh flowing, gosh. I'm asking, because I'm telling you, there's women listening to this and they're, they're, they're saying, okay, so what, mm-hmm. what Jessica said, yes. What Stephanie said, mm-hmm. Megan's going to say something profound here, I'm sure. But, but you're talking about, like when 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 you open up that last little space because uh I know that there are women who carry trauma in their hearts. They're in wonderful relationships, right? Now. Wonderful. But they're at a point where they just can't go all the way in that relationship with their husband, not physically, but emotionally and spiritually. They can't go all the way because they're withholding because of this trauma has has locked itself inside a door that has no that has no knob or lock on it. It's with hell from the inside. Talk about when that door opens. Talk about what the freshness and the light and the freedom and most certainly the new hope that flows out of that door. Even though there's cleaning to do, the all of those things come out of that door. Come in that door, and the last little bit of you that's been withheld can now see there is a God. He loves me, and he's residing in me. He's just finishing his work, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I don't know what I'm supposed to answer. What does hope and love and freshness and new light look like? Mm -hmm. From the inside of that last little withheld space, what does that look like? Ah, man. I, it was, it was just a a real breaking within me. It's a, I can't, I don't read scripture the same way since that moment. I, I don't, it's, I'm hearing the father's heart Mm -hmm. in a way that I haven't before Mm -hmm. and experiencing his, his true goodness and his intent with my heart, Mm -hmm. like I haven't before. Um, it's just a, a comforting over me that um, that I have longed for. It's like the big, it's like the big hug. That mm-hmm. he, that, I mean, I know that sounds so cheesy, but it is. It's like um, there's something about a hug from your dad. Sorry. <laughs> and when you can't experience that here on earth anymore, being able to receive the hug from your heavenly father, it's just so much more. Mm-hmm. Well done. You were just trying to get me to cry. (laughs) There's something that I hear in your story that's similar to mine with our husbands. Maybe I'm incorrect in assuming this, but I wanted Matt to come to church and get healed so that then he could heal me. Mm. Like it was a very selfish thing that I realized later. And like once you like step into a relationship with God, like, it's like, I want him to get healed for himself now and for yeah. his own relationship with Jesus. It becomes less selfish for me. That's good. That's good. That's really good. And, and 
for people who are listening, all of these women in this room are, are, I would say, godly, godly alpha, Jesus alpha females. I think there's a Jesus alpha male and a Jesus alpha female. And I don't, I don't think, I don't, what's interesting to me about this whole conversation, because I've tried to talk to my sisters for years about mm. what was it like growing up without a dad. Mm-hmm. They won't talk about it. I think it's like, it's even hard to sit here and talk about it because like, I would say, and it's even hard saying it because it's like, what if my dad hears one day? Like I respect him and I love him so much, but like, I would say. I didn't get what I needed. It's so hard to like feel like you're disrespecting them knowing they tried the very best that they could. Like it's a hard thing to to talk about. It's difficult. It's true. Mm-hmm. And again, I think the the with the It feels dishonoring. I'm I'm it's not dishonoring. I'm no woman, but I do have my sister's kidney, so I can speak to part of this. <laughs> so this is so your sister this speaking? Is, this is my sister. She told me, by the way, that I, I don't know if I told you guys. I, she said um, she was sitting on the bed with me in the in the ICU, and she had leaned over, and she said, by the way, she had, she had just had a kidney taken out, and she she was in her nightgown thing and makeup, full hair, like – she walked in like the queenie. She said, she didn't even look at me. She said, by the way, she tapped me on the knee. She said, by the way, the kidney I gave you had all the menopause in it. So, <laughs> so I don't know if that was true or not, but I'm just. I'm pretty sure that's I'm where it's stored. Saying, sounds yeah, right. Somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. I but I, I think I think it's fair to say that because when we're being honest with, with other people, men and women right now, we're we're talking about a lack of understanding of knowing how our father in heaven made us mm-hmm. and how he wants to redeem us. This yeah. is mm-hmm. about redemption. Yeah. Megan, what does a little girl need in a dad? Mm. Um, I grew up with a very strong father figure and I still have him in my life, um, which is a blessing. And, you know, my, my childhood, I felt protected I know that I was loved um, and I was safe, but, you know, I think growing up, I didn't feel like, like being a girl, being like a, a soft girl um, was really like, okay, necessarily emotionally. So I think, um, you know, just to know that softness isn't weakness that like, and that's been something that. Uh, I've come to like understand and uh, learn really through my relationship with God and how he sees me is just that my, like my strength as a woman is a, is a soft woman. Um, Like that's, that's where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Like that's actually, there's authority in that. And there's, there's a place that you need to, to stand in that. So I don't, I don't know. That's such a hard question. Let's, let's, but, Actually, you just answered. You actually just answered. Uh, I mean, you hit the you hit the you hit the very tip top of the iceberg above the water, like all of you have. Oh, that's good. Like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, this could be the most listened to podcast in the history of Father Seekers. Teach me to father. Yeah, it could be. It could be. We could write a book after this. Yeah. So so you did hit on it, 
Megan, you did hit on there are some things that that dads do mm. because it was done to them or not done to them. <laughs> And they live regretfully, or in uh, what's what's the or in um, or not regret. They live regretfully, or um, in in retaliation to what mm-hmm. they did or did not have. Yeah, and they try to become some. I heard a guy say the other day, "Be the dad to your kids you didn't have," and I thought, "Whoa, whoa, no, no, don't do that." Because it's reactionary. Right. And, you know, I think there was uh, some of that. I mean, my dad grew up with a complicated father situation, and um, his dad passed away when he was formative. I mean, 20 years old, just about to have a daughter. I wasn't born yet. So, um, and they didn't know that I was a girl. I I don't know if that matters. But, um, yeah, I think that's true. You know, you can't always fill the space that, you didn't have just because, so you think that's the only space that needs to be filled essentially. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that men do out of retaliation to refuse to not be like the dad they didn't have. I think I'm not sure how that, that carries over to, to a woman and how she manages that and how she walks through that forest, that dark forest. Um, so, so let's let's bring to a an end here this podcast, which I think it could go again for another. So, say I have questions for for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think it's going to be interesting to to do the 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 next piece of this one. It's going to be really interesting. But you know we've talked about some some powerful women in the room. All three, you are all three successful in all that you do. You've got great husbands. You've got good kids. Uh, there is there is this this. I'm going somewhere with my life. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not stalemated. I'm not stuck in a in a place. And my guy's going to go with me. He's going to be alongside me. I'm going to go with him we're together forever kind of thing. But now we've, we've gotten to a place where each of you have come forward from, from where you came from, however you came from and wherever you came from and how that happened. But, but what, what, what does a woman, a godly, what is a godly woman? What, what does she look like? And again, we're talking to, to women who need somebody to say, okay, here's where you start. Here's the model. Here's the, here's the, here's the, the genesis of, here's the pattern of what you're supposed to look like. The model. Now begin to pattern your life after. What does she look like? It's interesting you asked this. <laughs> yeah. Because we just had a conversation about this last week. Um, and how, uh, when I was younger, I was in a position with a leader who was describing her daughter to me and she described her as this great mother and great wife. And then she said, she is such a godly woman. And this was before I had, was really into my Jesus journey. Um, but I was like, man, when I am described by someone like, I want that to be Mm -hmm. like, I want someone to describe me as a godly woman. And I, for me, I think it's, um, I think a godly woman is someone who 
is so in tuned with the Holy Spirit um, that that she's obedient to the Holy Spirit and that she she follows the Holy Spirit wherever it is that he guides her. Um, I think that it is to be a godly woman. I, I hope that it's um, when I walk into the room that, that people feel Jesus, um, that it's not That's good. intrinsically about me, that That's it's good. about, about him. Jess? Um, so yeah, we actually, um, Steph and I got this question last week from one of my Catalyst students' dads, actually. He mm. um, mm-hmm. is doing this really cool thing where he's asking important women in her life to write her a letter about what it means to be a godly woman and mm. then pray it over her, which mm. I thought was... Mm. So cool for a dad to think to do for his 15-year-old daughter. Weepy cry, Tom. Huh? Weepy cry, Uh, Tom. Yeah. (laughs) And when he asked me, um, the first thing that came to mind when I was writing this letter was Esther Mm -hmm. and how, like, at the root of Esther, she was obedient and faithful to God. And that's like you said, you desire to be described as a godly woman. Like I desire, like at my funeral, people go up to the mic and they say she was obedient and faithful to God. Yeah, that's that's good. good. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. You're tearing up a little bit. Why? Mind your business. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, No, just all of it, hearing everybody's stories. And it's really, it's a cool thing to talk about. It is. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot of cathartic flow in this. I wished we could bottle Mm -hmm. what's in this room. Yeah. Yeah. And I just know like these women's stories and have like seen them walk through these things with their husbands. And it's just very cool. Meg, take us home. Yeah, I think these ladies have said it. And the obedient and faithful, that's beautiful because I think it's its a stepping into, mm-hmm. not a suppressing of. Mm-hmm. And um, when you feel like you're a woman, but you're suppressed, when you're a girl, but you're suppressed, when God's actually called you to to stand in your mm-hmm. role and authority, that's that's confusing. And so you, you get that confused sense of what a man's supposed to be and therefore what God's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And um, so when you're obedient and when you're faithful, you'll live in what his role is for your life. You'll live in what it looks like to be upright and righteous and um, have that power of the Holy Spirit that you're talking about stuff. So yeah, I think that says it. All goes perfectly. back to obedience. obedience. Sure does. Always does. Can yeah, you say a few words you said earlier about being strong and soft. Mm. Yeah. Can you describe that a little more? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Unpack that. Because you (laughs) used two words there that's like, Mm -hmm. "Mm -hmm." yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) so, yeah, go ahead. I think it's always been the culture of the world that softness is perceived as weakness. Mm -hmm. And we know that. And that's, you know, why boys can't cry and all this stuff. Um, but the woman who is created to be the the helper, the soft one, for some reason that scene is your weakness when actually it's your strength. And I find that the enemy is going to do this a lot. Whatever your strength is, that's where he convinces you that that's your weakness. 
if you are a, a strong woman of God, he's going to convince you um, that actually your voice doesn't matter, that actually you don't have any new original thought that, um, you know, you don't know how to be a good leader, that if you're the kid in school that, you know, always feel you feel like you always know the right answer, Satan's going to try and convince you that you're dumb and you're stupid. And maybe that's echoed in the voice of a teacher or parent. So I think that's, that's what we've been misled to understand is that, yeah, our softness is our weakness when actually it's our strength and where it's meant to, where we're meant to, to stand in land. And I, you guys keep bringing up Esther and I'm like, Esther is a perfect example of how her softness in her, in her role as a wife was actually, uh, her strength and what God was trying to use her for all along. Right. So she was standing in the authority in the, in the moment that she needed to, in what God had given her and gifted her with. So you all have danced around a couple of words here, and I was just waiting on somebody to latch on it like a pit bull on a on a raw piece of meat. The pit bulls in the room, I guess. Yeah, there, are pit, there are pit bulls. Is it you, Megan? Are you a pit bull? No, no. You're all. Yeah, yeah. I've seen you all pit bull before. You, do, you all are. You, you, your pit bulling is good. This may go a little long, so. So, okay. So. That's what two times is for, man. Yeah. 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 Are we, we going to do that? Is yeah. that Speed us up. <laughs> yep. So, uh, let's, let's call this, let's call this to an end. I know how we're going to pick up this next one and I know where we'll go with it. Um, but, but here's, here's the real, like here, here's the real story. Like today. I hope you, big fella, have learned something about your woman. And I hope you've learned enough to go, ooh, I'm in trouble. Because you don't know nothing about nothing because you you don't know nothing. If you don't know nothing, can't do anything about it until you learn something, then practice. And, dear lady, if you are listening, you should you should make contact with us because... These ladies, I'm sure, have said something today to prime you on and to encourage you and to bring you forward. It is our goal here at Teach Me to Father for you to get something to live a couple of days on and come back for more. You can reach us at fatherseekers.org, fatherseekers.org, Teach Me to Father. My name is Barry Edgman, Father Seekers. Get some, boys. Crush it.